Hello and welcome to the Black Final Girl podcast. I'm your host, Clary, and this week I watched His House. His House 2020 is a British gothic horror thriller directed by Remy Weeks, who is most known for his short films Exhale and Fright Bites. This is his debut feature-length film, and honestly, it immediately became a favorite back when I saw it in 2020, and I hope that when you guys watch this movie, it also becomes a favorite for you. The film follows the story of a refugee couple from South Sudan who are adjusting to their new life in a small English town, and there is a lot of evil lurking beneath the surface. So from this point forward, there will be spoilers ahead, but I do try to remain as vague as possible so that you can get as much enjoyment as possible from the film if you go and watch it. But the film opens up with Bol having a nightmare about the couple's journey fleeing with their daughter Naya. This already showcases one of the main themes from this movie, which is about how your past can come and haunt you. After he wakes up, we then see him and his wife Rial are in this detention center. And when you see this detention center, you essentially get the tone for the rest of the movie and Weeks does not pull any punches, showcasing just how miserable, cold, and detached this detention center is. The couple then meet with a council and they are informed that they are now going to be free, but on conditions that they're essentially on bail and they're not really citizens, they're just asylum seekers at this moment. They're then being bombarded with conditions such as they have to remain in a house that the government assigns them, they have to do weekly check-ins, and they are only given £74 per week. Something that I really like about this scene is that when they are first told that they are going to be freed from the detention center and are now leaving, the framing is very far out, the shots are wide, and you can see the couple, they're smiling, they're joyous, but as they get more and more conditions, the framing gets smaller with each shot and you can really get that sense that the walls are closing in on the couple. After this, they are then dropped off at their new house and they are told by their social worker that this is a prize home. It's practically a palace, but in reality, the house is broken and in a constant state of deterioration with faulty lights, broken appliances, there's trash all over the front yard, it's just a mess. But the couple remains strong and they share the sentiment that they are now born again and that this is a new beginning for them. It does not take long though for the hauntings to begin in the house as the very first night, Bull begins to hear a woman's voice coming from the walls accompanied by loud bangs. These bangs then cause Bull to have a little bit of a PTSD episode, I guess you could say. He begins to cover his ears to try to like relax and calm down, but he kind of only hears a lot of the sounds from his past back home in South Sudan. He then places his ear to the wall to be sure of exactly what he's hearing, and again, a loud bang startles him, and then he begins to hear these like distorted voices coming from a hole in the wall. So he proceeds to check out the hole in the wall. <laughs> in this moment, we're greeted by not one but two jump scares. And I actually really enjoy the jump scares in this movie. I feel like they are really well done and they add a lot to the story. The main jump scare in this scene is his daughter Naya laying behind him and gasping for air. The following morning, as Rial watches Bull repairing the house, she notices that there is a doll in a trash bag behind him and this doll belonged to their daughter. This is when we begin to see the first signs of the couple's thoughts on their new lives in England and how they start to diverge, mainly with Bull wanting to assimilate 
and with Raelle not necessarily wanting to lose the things that she had before. Later on that day, we see Ball beginning to try to fit in and understand exactly where he is. He goes out and gets a haircut, and he begins to walk around the town, just kind of taking everything in. As he's walking around the town, he happens to pass by this church, where some random white man outside the church immediately assumes that he's a refugee and calls him inside so that he can get a box of items that he may need. While Ball is inside of this church, the men inside are also chanting while watching football slash soccer, and Ball decides that he's going to join in because, like I said, he wants to assimilate very very badly <laughs> so he joins in on this chant even if he doesn't fully understand exactly why they're doing it and later on that day he goes home to let his wife know all that happened she's as flabbergasted as me even saying that this is one of the worst songs she has ever heard in her life later on that night bull hears footsteps and thumps coming from downstairs Bull being Bull decides, hey, I'm gonna go check this out. So he heads downstairs to the main room where he sees that the main light is on. He tries to turn it off, but nothing happens. However, as he's trying to turn it off, the wallpaper slowly begins to peel, revealing a wall full of black mold and a large hole. Again, since there is a pattern, Bull decides, hey, I'm gonna go check this out. Inside the large hole, there is an electrical wire that Bull begins to yank and yank and yank and yank. And as he does this, it shuts off all the power in the house, or at least the power in that main room. And since he's so focused on yanking, he does not notice that the door behind him is slowly creaking open. The more he pulls this electrical wire, the more it begins to change. It slowly shifts into this like rope covered in seaweed. Since this rope is now taking so much of his attention, he is slightly confused and slightly scared. He doesn't notice that there is a large figure slowly stalking towards him. But before the figure can get to him, and as he gets to the end of the rope, he sees his daughter's doll hanging off of the end of the rope. And this confuses and freaks him out even more, so he pauses to kind of stare at it before two small hands grab the doll back into the wall. This leaves the man gooped and gagged, so he finally decides to take in his surroundings looking around, but when he gets back to looking at the wall he was just at, the wall is now sealed up and the wallpaper is back in place. This, of course, has left him strucken, so he spends the rest of the night destroying the walls, essentially ripping down all of the wallpaper, which is against the conditions that they got when they first moved into the house. Another condition that they got was having no friends, which was a little wild, but hey, I digress. The next morning, Raelle comes downstairs and she sees exactly what he has done. So she herself is a little bit confused looking around before she begins to hear a small voice whispering mama. She believes the voice to be Ball and decides to ignore it, instead cleaning up the mess that her husband has left along the floor. As she's cleaning, she opens up this closet door and is then confronted with a vision of children kind of laying in the back of a truck as they try to flee. This leaves her a little bit shaken as well, so she decides that she's going to leave the house. As she's out walking, trying to head over to a hospital, she happens to get lost. She ends up at this dead end where she sees a little boy kicking a soccer ball. So she's like, okay, this is a little weird. I'm going to turn around. So she turns around, starts heading the other way, and again is lost, finding the little boy kicking the soccer ball. Feeling lost and dejected, she decides to go ask a group of black boys for some help, and... Um, 
<laughs> they of course offer zero help and instead make fun of her and then give her even worse directions than she had, each boy giving different directions to where she needs to go. What's that saying again about skinfolk and kinfolk? <laughs> While that is happening, we see Ball buying a hammer for some more home renovations. Ryle is then able to make it to the clinic, and there the doctor asks her about some of the scars on her face, saying that they're very pretty. Ryle explains that she's had those ones since she was a little girl, but the ones on her arm she gave herself in order to survive the war between the two tribes back home. I personally found this a great way to show her lack of belonging both back home and here in England, along with showcasing exactly what she would do to survive. Arriving back home, she literally sees somebody pissing in her backyard. So much for the palace and the dream that these people sold her when she got here. She then goes to sit in the main room and kind of look at the walls and the mess that her husband has done in the main room. And as she's sitting there, she begins to hear a voice saying, Come, before the groceries that she bought fall to the floor with a single nectarine i'm assuming i'm not good at identifying fruits off of first glance i'm so sorry but a nectarine rolls over to her before the voice repeats come again and it goes to the hole in the wall where she is able to hear whispers coming from it later on that night bull then arrives home saying that he lost track of time even though he was literally buying a hammer i digress but he also says that it's wonderful to see that she left the house. He also states next time they should use a dinner table since she has laid their dinner out on the floor, which is the way they would have eaten back home. Again, showcasing how different they are now here in England and how much he wants to assimilate. To further drive the point that this man really wants to be one of the good ones, which is something that they've repeated a few times in the movie, he goes to the kitchen and grabs utensils, telling his wife to no longer eat with her hands. Again, she, like me, is flabbergasted. Rael begins to instead recount a story her mother told her about a poor man who wanted a home so badly that he began to steal from others. And one day he steals from this old man, and that old man happens to be an apath, and then basically once the man in the story steals from the apath, the apath will now live in his home forever and he will begin to hear whispering from walls and death will come from the shadows. And basically she's kind of explaining what they are going through while also telling this story. She then goes on to say that she feels that the apath rose from the ocean and followed them here too. She tells him that it spoke to her and that it told her that they don't belong here and they need to pay their debt and it will lead them to their daughter. Ball, who doesn't believe in the supernatural, tells her that she's gone, and in her native language, she tells him that she died in the ocean. And he's not having any of this, so he tells her to speak in English. Lord of mercy. You're telling her she's gone? She's gone? <laughs> I'm telling you guys, dinner scenes in horror movies are so essential to understanding the characters and their motivations. I can actually see where Bull is coming from in this scene. He does not want to go back to the life that they had before where they were literally in war. And in his mind, the only way to do that is to fully assimilate into how people live here in the UK. And I do want to say that the lighting in that scene is phenomenal. There is a point where she talks about looking into his eyes and seeing that he is a liar. 
And as that's happening, his face is almost fully shadowed except for his eyes, while her face is completely lit, which is basically showing that she is completely honest and open, and he is indeed hiding himself, but the eyes do not lie. Later on, Bol is back to tearing up the wallpaper, and as he does, he begins to hear more sounds, doors creaking, a little girl humming, a man's voice joins in on the humming, all that good old spooky jazz. As he gets closer to check it out, the little girl is seen walking past the doorway and she turns to look at him before she calls out Mama. The ghost girl then is seen sitting on the floor stabbing it with a knife and Bulbing Bull decides he's gonna go get closer to get a better look at it. I'm like, you can see her from the kitchen. I can see her from the kitchen. She proceeds to then try attacking him, but he runs out of the house in a panic. Later on, he comes back in and he decides that they have been cursed, so he needs to burn everything that belongs to her. So he takes her doll, he takes the necklace off of Riel's neck, even though she is begging him not to, and he throws them in a fire. The next day, he is more determined than ever to fully conform, so he buys a ugly $7 polo, and then he goes back to repairing his house, even when he cuts his hand doing so. He just kind of keeps it pushing and finally is able to get the lighting working again. After he checks to make sure all the lights are working, he then hears his wife whispering in the kitchen, so he goes to kind of like talk to her. And since he notices that she's sitting at the table by herself, he immediately is just off. He's like, nah, I'm not feeling this anymore. So he goes to quickly grab their dinner, handing her utensils, even though she's clearly not going to use it and she does not use it during the whole interaction. He then tells her that from now on he wants her out of the house doing things with the community as it's not good for her to be inside the house dwelling with her thoughts. He even reinstates that they'll be good, again bringing up that kind of one of the good ones feels that happens throughout the movie, to which Rael lets him know that they aren't like them, but of course him being him replies that they can be. She asks him if he ever wonders what they are saying to her, and he just replies, maybe you're right and you're going mad. She lets him know that the W is saying, essentially, I can get my daughter back and also I should be afraid of you. But he says, this is our home, we are here now, and this is how we're going to be living. As he sits at the table eating utensils clickety-clacking, the camera slowly zooms out and reveals one of my favorite shots of the whole movie, and that is him sitting in front of the destroyed wall alone. She's no longer there in the shot, and the background is all like red smoke. He then begins to hear voices whispering in Dinka, and sees that he is now sitting on top of a pile of drowned bodies in water. This, of course, is all a dream, but once he wakes up, that does not mean that the ghosts and death itself is no longer there. When he wakes up, there is a female figure in the corner of the room slowly making its way to him, quickly turns the lights back on, and as he does that, the ghost disappears. But just because the lights are on does not mean that no one's home. As he slowly begins to feel a little bit more safe and comfortable, he hears his daughter's voice whispering, help me, before wet footsteps appear on the floor walking towards him. He flicks the lights off, thinking maybe this will help him be able to see them, and it does help him see the ghosts, but it is so frightening he flicks the lights back on. As they're on, he begins to hear voices saying, help me, and he hears his daughter saying, I can't can't swim. He slowly makes his way further from the light switch and towards the voice of his daughter as she's calling out mama. 
and then her ghost flicks the lights off and he is now surrounded by zombified ghosts. Now that the lights are off and the ghosts can freely interact with him, Naya climbs on top of the horde of zombie ghosts and jumps onto his shoulders trying to slit his throat with a knife. He is able to turn on the lights and she disappears and he's able to confirm also that hey the ghosts are living in the walls which had he just talked to his wife who has been saying this for a little bit he would have already come to this conclusion but hey he does not want to listen. So he begins to let them know that this is his house and that they need to get gone. As he does this, he begins banging the wall, destroying it with his hammer that he bought earlier, now leaving a bunch of gaps in the wall. The next day, he goes to the counselors and he's like, hey, we need a new house. There's a bunch of rats and bugs and they're making us sick. The main counselor, Mark, I believe was his name, is like, yeah, we'll help you out, but like, they're going to want to know why you guys aren't adapting. And Ball, of course, is like, no, we're adapting. It's just the house itself is not good for us. So they decide that they're going to come in for an inspection. While he is out, Rael sitting in the living room, looking at the holes in the wall. While she's doing this, Naya's hand comes out of one of the holes in the wall and drops the burnt necklace from earlier onto the floor. Mark comes and lets him know, hey, these holes in the wall are kind of against the conditions that we gave you early on, and we're going to have to take photos and report it. Bull, of course, does not want to go back home, so he's like, I can fix these walls, I can fix everything that I've just done, I am so sorry. While he is essentially begging these white men to let him stay in this house, Rial comes downstairs and she's like, you haven't told them about the witch yet? The witch that lives in this house and is causing all these issues. Of course, this is not looking great for them now. This basically now ruins their chances of staying in England, but that is perfectly fine with Rayelle as this is kind of what she wants. She even talks about how they, the white people in England, enjoy looking down upon the immigrants and seeing them as crazy, thieves, lazy, all so that they can feel like bigger men. And after this, I will not lie, she begins to read her husband for filth. Um, I did not hear a single lie in what she said to him, so I ain't got no comments on that. She tells him that she wants to leave, and this is when things start to get a little bit not that good. I mean, it was already not that good, but it's about to get a little bit worse. Bull then begins to break all the locks in the house so that Riel can no longer leave. He is now trapping her inside of their extremely haunted house before he calls upon the APAP. And boy, does he call upon it. I lied actually earlier when I said that my favorite scene was him sitting in the ocean in front of the destroyed wall, because here when he's calling out the Night Witch and the Night Witch starts calling him back out, I, oh my God, I love this scene, especially when he keeps trying to not look at the Night Witch and more and more hands come out and keep forcing him to look. I think it's gorgeous. I think it's haunting. But the next morning, his wife finds him sitting almost catatonic on the couch, and she sees that he has even wet himself in his discussion with the Night Witch. She uses his current state as a way to be able to get out of the house. He does wake up as she's trying to flee, and he does try to stop her, but she's able to lock him in another room using a broom and a screwdriver but she flees and as she opens the door she actually finds herself outside of a school back home in south sudan here things are very different for her 
everybody is excited to see her. They are singing, they are cheering, they're chanting, they're welcoming her with warm embraces, they're showcasing her around the school, and we finally see her with a smile on her face. She does ask one of the women there if they've seen her daughter, and she begins to look around, the woman in question begins to look around, and asks who. All the other women in the room also begin to look just as confused and a little bit panicked as to what she's saying before the sounds of mutilations begin to grow louder and louder before abruptly cutting and we see Ball looking for Rial outside of the school and she finally comes out of hiding to the sounds of gunfire. The beautiful dream that she was having of being reunited with her sisters now morphing into more of a memory and reality of exactly what had happened that day. We see the two of them hide out on a roof as people pass by, each person becoming a little bit more distressing than the last before later on at nighttime, we again see them walking through a field surrounded by other people who are also trying to flee. Now here is where the movie got me. I got got, I got got by this movie. So they are fleeing and the next day they come upon a bus that is taking people out of the town. And as they try to get on said bus, the men let them know that they do not have room for everybody. They only have room for children, like basically families, okay? So Ball, being the quick thinker that he is, grabs a random child who is Naya, the child who they have been referring to as their daughter this whole time. I was the definition of gooped and gagged when this scene played out. I could not believe it, flabbergasted, shook, every other synonym you can think of. And to make the scene even more heartbreaking than it already was when he kidnapped a random child, the camera then cuts to her real mother, basically like chasing after the car, like screaming for her daughter, as her daughter screams mom. Oh, no, I wasn't prepared for that. Listen, there was a lot of heartbreak already happening in the movie. Wasn't prepared for that. Back in the dream, the women let her know that she does not have a daughter. This makes the fact that Naya later on dies from drowning with these two strangers ten times worse, sadder, horrific than it originally was. And it was already at 110 on the this is a really bad moment moment scale. And... After that, the apath basically lets her know that if she gives her husband's body, she will be able to get her daughter back. I think it's really important and telling that the apath has mainly only spoken to Rael throughout this whole story because while they both feel guilt, he has been doing everything in his power to push this aspect away while she's been doing everything to embrace that situation. Not in like a, wow, this is great, I'm embracing it, but more like, I did what I did and what happened happened and I can't let that go away. I can never get that back. I can never ask for forgiveness for what I've done. And he's just kind of like, I'm not even going to ask for forgiveness. I'm just going to go about my day. Outside of the dream world, Ball cuts his arm open saying that this is how they are going to bring the APAF forward because this is exactly what he wants. And he's asking basically for her, his wife, to allow him to save their daughter. And he actually slowly begins to come to terms with the fact that they were 
probably not actually the good ones. After this, the ground begins to bubble up before the Night Witch crawls out of a hole and comes forth to kill Bull. He begins to shove his hand in the cut that Bull made on his arm, and when I say shove his hand in there, I mean he is going full-fledged, very deep inside of this cut, and it was probably one of the most horrific moments in the movie for me personally. I also thought it was really cool that the creature design is very um lacking melanin I'll say. I thought that it was a great callback to kind of the other themes of the movie besides grief and your past which is assimilation into whiteness because this weird creepy disgusting looking pale thing is slowly forcing its body inside of the skin of a black man. Rael, though, being a very real one, comes through and slits the throat of the Night Witch. The next day after Rael kills the witch, the inspectors come back and they have fixed the house for the most point. They put a beautiful rug over the hole where the Night Witch crawled out. They have plastered the walls and the couple are back to wearing bright, colorful clothing. And by the couple, I mean Bull, because Riel never stopped. She was like, I am who I am. But now that they have faced their past and faced their demons, the couple have agreed that this is now their home, and they feel, you know, happy here. So I gave his house four and a half stars. I think that it's a very fresh take on haunted houses. I tend to not really be into like ghost stories, but the way that this one was done, it worked really well due to the reality of what was happening to the couple. You could remove the ghosts and still have a very compelling story. I think for the most part, the ghosts and the creatures in the film were really well done. I know that for a lot of people, it's going to be a hit or miss in that aspect because it does rely on CGI in some parts. I feel like it was a mix of practical and CGI for a lot of this movie and I know a lot of people are not big on CGI ghosts. Me, personally, it's a movie. I know what I'm watching. I know it's not a real ghost on my screen, so it does not matter that deeply, but I do know for a lot of people this will be a hit or miss when it comes to the ghosts. Something that I found really interesting for me with this movie was that the most horrifying parts for me weren't even really the horror elements in the movie, but were the real life atrocities that happened throughout the movie. Just the way that the council was treating the people, the way that the detention center was in the beginning, the neighbors, the lack of like warmth in the new neighborhood. And I think I did mention that when I was doing my breakdown of what happens is that there's a lot of cool tones in the beginning of this movie. And that really helps you see just how cold and empty and lifeless this part of where they're at is and it's contrasted really well to that scene where she's in her dream and she's back home in South Sudan at the village school and it's like bright vibrant and very warm there's a lot more reds and just you feel a lot more safe and settled there than you actually did in the beginning of the movie when you first see the house that they're moving into. I personally was captivated and my attention was held throughout the whole movie. The movie runs at about an hour and 34 minutes and the whole time I was engaged there wasn't really any moments where I was like I could probably skip this and this wasn't my first time watching it. This is actually a rewatch. Some people who I have watched the movie with have said that they found it to be boring but if you are a fan of gothic horrors which do tend to lean towards the slow build side you will definitely like this. If you're somebody that's not too much into 
stories more than things that are visually happening on the screen. Although this movie has a lot of great visuals, like I said, I had two scenes in here that I love and I think that they're gorgeous. If you're not into a movie where the story is like the main driving point, you're probably not going to click with this movie as much as I did. I actually think that I enjoyed this movie more on my rewatch because you're able to take in the haunting in a new way and with the knowledge of what they've done and you're able to follow a little bit more closely with the way that Bull refuses to acknowledge that he isn't necessarily a good guy or a good guy in the way that he thinks he is. But all in all, I really loved the use of gothic horror tropes and motifs to tell the story of immigration and guilt and grief. And like I said, it is an incredibly fresh take on all these things. But those were my thoughts and opinions on His House 2020. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. You could subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever you feel like it. And you can find me on Twitter at Black Final Girl. But I will have a new episode for you guys next week on Thursday.